Today, I would like to introduce you to Dawn Winters. She's a principal at Blue Skies and a friend from many years ago when I worked at USDA. And I want to just thank you so much for joining me today, uh, Dawn. It's been, it's been too long. It has been. Way so too for long. those who don't know you, tell us a bit about who you are, where you're from, and, and what you do. Yeah, so uh, obviously my name is Dawn Winters. Um, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I went to, I attended undergraduate school at Penn State and I graduated and moved down here right, right before I even actually went through my, my walkthrough. Um, I came to the Washington DC area because I followed a, a boyfriend <laughs> and two other friends that said, you know, we all have to get jobs in DC. They're, they're hiring. It's a great place to be. And I'd only been here one other time and um, didn't even really know what the heck I was walking myself into. Um, my undergraduate degree was in health policy administration. So I knew I had started off in nursing. And so I had figured my first job, I actually worked for a group of plastic surgeons um, and you know did um, all of the coordination work for the chief of plastic surgery at Fairfax Hospital. So that was my first job. And, uh, you know, kind of thought that I was going to be in the medical business. Um, you know, that's, you know, my parents paid all that money for that education. I thought that's what I was going to do. Um, but what had happened was once I got down here, uh, the guy I was dating at the time, he's got a job working um, for Booz Allen. And he ended up getting a clearance and all of that crazy stuff. And I learned the word government contractor. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was seeing the money, you know, making more money. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe this isn't for me, this, this medical field. So I found a headhunter and he put me in, he placed me with a company called GRCI, which was later bought by AT&T. Mm. And, um, I worked for a gentleman who was my mentor for seven years. His name was Chili Williams. His real formal name is Claudel. But Chili was actually Air Force. And at the time he worked in, 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 during his entire career, um, he worked for the NRO. And um, I had no idea what any of that was, the National Reconnaissance Office. And I was hired as his admin and I was put into a skiff. What the hell is a skiff? <laughs> and um, basically thrown into um, national security program stuff. I mean, briefed and educated. I mean, a whole new education, you know, came to me and um, he really mentored me. And as far as personally and professionally, you know, helped guide my career into something and gave me a purpose uh, because I didn't know really what I was bringing to the table other than like my ability to type fast and organize well. And, you know, I had, I was pretty smart and I, you know, I like to tackle problems and that was definitely, and I was the kind of person that was like, give me that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Um, but what that did for me is it, it actually launched me into my IT career. Mm -hmm. um, unknowingly, I started doing training. Um, we were actually, um, he, my boss, Chili, was recruited by another company. At the time, they were called Autometric. And they had a major security violation and Chili's expertise and his knowing of everything NRO, they had breached something with the NRO. So they hired him and he said, I'm bringing my staff. 
with me. It's like, you're bringing me, you bring my team. So he brought me and two others with him and we helped develop an entire security program for Automatric. And one of the things that I was charged with was retraining everybody on uh, national security, you know, everything. Um, how to handle classified information, how to, you know, how to do your job in a classified environment. You know, what are the rules? What are the regulations? Those kinds of things. And this is like circa 1998 now. And the internet was everything. And um, old school PowerPoint presentations and handing out, you know, paper was starting to get old. Right. So um, I needed, you know, I, I was messing around with web development and I kind of started taking a couple of web classes, like how to design websites and stuff like that. My only biggest challenge is how do I, you know, publish this information <laughs> to everybody in a classified environment. Mm -hmm. And at that time, obviously, you know, it was standalone networks and things of that nature. So I had to work with the IT folks on how to build a network that I could host my website, my training site on. And that was the first time I really knew that like, this was like where I wanted to be. Like I knew that, I can't believe I'm gonna say it, but I was really enjoying all the networking stuff. And um, I also did enjoy the web development stuff, but the coding wasn't definitely my forte, especially because it went beyond HTML. I started doing cold fusion development and then it was .as, it was .net, it was um, ASP and it was changing so fast. I was like having a hard enough time keeping up and I was a manager, I had been promoted. So I had a team so the hands-on work was really starting to kind of me to just sit there and program and, and develop websites. That creativity side just really was, wasn't my forte. So I, I realized also through that, that I was good at managing people and managing programs and projects. And that company that we went to go help was then later bought by Boeing. And Boeing then offered the ability for us to go back to school 100% paid and I decided to go and get my master's degree in project management because that's ultimately what I was doing. I was leading multiple projects. You know, um, I was 28 years old and I was already a manager of a few people in a now large company and opportunities started to open. And the, the doors were just opening up for me at Boeing. And, um, you know, I, I just knew that that I'd found something that I was really passionate about. Then um, it was time to part ways with Chile. I'd spent seven years with him. And then in 2003, I went to a company to, um, they were called Planet Gov, later became Aptis. Uh, they were known to be box resellers, you know, of IT equipment. And the guy I went to go work for was a friend, a, a husband of a friend. And he was specifically there to, you know, Planet Gov was selling millions of dollars of Cisco routers and, and everything to like, well, the IRS or to mm -hmm. um, TSA or, I mean, we had Commerce. I mean, we had tons of clients, White House Communications Agency. And they were like, okay, well, we're buying these million dollars. Like, can you, do you have a team to come in and like, you know, put, put this stuff in? And so hence Dave Hawkins team arrived and he brought me in as a project manager. And 
I mean, it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, it just blew, it, it just took, it just elevated me to really under, I needed to understand these projects. I had teams of uh, great network engineers working for me and I had to interface with the government clients and I needed to understand and speak the language. And, you know, I was very patient and learning. Um, I got to know the business because I had great, a great team always by my side. And I had great mentors too, that were very patient and willing to give me a chance. And I think mm -hmm. they gave me a chance because I was willing to do the hard work and I was interested. Um, and I was really, I was kind of an anomaly. <laughs> too. There weren't too many females at the time right. running network projects. And I think that one of the things I have to say, I think I offered some, a different perspective, especially to some of the clients on the government side. I can specifically remember one at the Bureau of Prisons looking at me when Dave brought me in and said, this is going to be your project manager. And he was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, she ain't going to work. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm being, I'm being harassed. Like I am being, this is, this is like, we're in like 2003 here. And this guy is like, segregating me for being a woman and he was like no and I I kind of was like I'm sorry am I not qualified because I'm female he goes yeah you can't go into a federal prison oh. <laughs> and then I realized oh, oh. I get it <laughs> these people have never seen a woman in like many years and this job entailed <laughs> me to go into a federal prison so I said, no, no, I will be working back here at headquarters in Washington, <laughs> DC. And I will spend a group of male engineers out to the site to install all that stuff. <laughs> so um, those projects were just amazing challenges. And um, I got to do a lot of really amazing implementations, network implementations um, for lots of interesting customers all. And, you know, to include, you know, I did some, some major work out at theater and in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, so like I went from this little web world, web development world with right. like a little background in networking to like deploying a major network out in theater and into Afghanistan and doing some really amazing stuff within a four year period of time. Wow. Um, and that's actually where I met my business partner um, too, working on one of those projects. Uh, he was working for another company and he was the prime and he was borrowing. We were a subcontractor to him and we were doing the network converged. This is the time when the department of commerce went all IP and um, Dustin's company at the time won the big contract and dropped all of the new IP phones, did reconfigure the entire network. And we did the, we were a subcontractor to them. And uh, my exposure to Dustin was just faint. I mean, his name came up in a conversation. I never had gotten a chance to meet him. And then um, it was time for me to, to move. My leadership was, you know, growing and changing. And I, you know, I didn't job hunt. I didn't job jump a lot. I, I knew that it was time, but, but I knew, always knew wherever I was, it was time to take another challenge. I had also just got, um, I was just at the brink of finishing up my master's degree and, um, I had my PMP certification too. So I knew it was time to go. And that's when I ended up with a company called DKW Communications. That's where Dustin and I met again. 
and he hired me uh, unbeknownst to me he remembered my name I kind of was like your name sounds familiar but I don't I can't correlate it and he hired me to run a, a huge spay war contract <laughs> and I'm like spay war like I only work in the federal like I mean I, I was somewhat familiar with them, but I mean, I knew they were the Navy's engineering group, but I'd never done work with the Navy. And uh, uh, it, it was awesome. And all of the work, it was, it was fascinating work because uh, we were working on task orders that were supporting legacy communication systems. Mm. Things that were built back in like the 60s, like <laughs> the early 60s, <laughs> right. maybe even earlier than that. I know that there was only like one or two parts left and we had one guy on our team who was at the time like 78 years old and things were breaking down and he was back in the storage room still finding little bits and pieces and parts to you know send off to ships for comms and um so there was a lot of really fun stuff on that on that particular contract because it was a combination of network and software development and so it brought me back to both sides of the house um and then i came to meet you jeremy at usda and that was a at the time 8a we were an 8a uh, dkw was an 8a and i think that um you guys gave us a chance to fix you know a problem that you guys was a big had, problem that's a major true. problem in the <laughs> food safety inspection services group and it was a great project it, and you know management of that team um, overnight you know make things happen I think it was a contract that we took from SAIC they had it and screwed it up and um, and and we came in and, and I think you know our team did a, a good job um, pulling it together and stayed with that company for a few years and again it was time Dustin and I decided he became my mentor basically at that point. So I went from having Chile, you know, for seven years on my own for a little bit, but Dave Hawkins served as a great mentor for like three, four years. I was with Aptis or Planica of Aptis and then landed with Dustin and, um, you know, just always follow, you know, you can see the evolution of things changing. You know, um, we were witnessing network standalone standalone networking and now it was now it's just a commodity you know we were witnessing we remember the first cloud word you know <laughs> and you know getting getting network service from a cloud and talking about it i remember being in briefings and thinking like what you know we sold you know selling software as a service and selling all that stuff as a service um I continued on taking certifications in 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 a lot of different things so that I could stay abreast on everything. But the last from I would say from 2012 to present today, my career has really evolved and, and taken such a different uh, tune. I think I spent the first 10 years of my career kind of just being hands on and working the work. And the last 10 years of my career, I have been in the business of doing business with the government. It be, you know, the Department of Defense or in a federal civilian agency and becoming extremely knowledgeable of the act, the, the, the way that the government acquires services. Mm. And that's 
something that you just, you know, you either learn it or you don't, you know, and a lot of folks that aren't centered at Washingtonians, you know, this is kind of our livelihood and this is what we are here for. You go to other places in the world or in the United States where there's no big government presence or anything. I, they hear the word government contractor. They're not necessarily sure what you're talking about. They, you know, they don't even probably understand the, the necessary process of how a government agency acquires, you know, services from the outside. You know, everybody knows about FBO or whatever the case may be, but they don't teach this stuff. Well, they didn't back in college when I was going to school. <laughs> and, you know, um, you kind of have to learn by going through the process and understanding the different types of socioeconomic, you know, classes of companies and how to go after business. Um, once you, you know, develop, you know, it became more of just, like I said, being the doer to now looking at being a part of a company organization at a senior level, like as an ops manager, as a director level, and figuring out how am I going to grow my business? And how am I going to, you know, develop a capability for this company that's an 8A that basically, you know, can go in and get anything they want, but we got to be strategic and smart about this and make good decisions and go after things that give us something for the long-term goal. And so that's how Dustin thought. And he taught me to think that way. And uh, we spent probably from 2013 to today, um, 2013 to 2018, so five years helping companies grow in some form or fashion through you know strategic thinking of what 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 vehicles they need to get to mm. what and what um you know what business they want to be in you know we've ended up with some people who originally wanted to start they, they hired us because they we had dod experience and then we get in there and they're like you know what that's not my forte i don't think i want to do business in the dod okay um but to help companies strategize and in from 2016 to present another turn of events kind of really shaped where I am today. And that is I, the, the business of other transaction authorities, the OTAs. And Dustin and I were supporting a company that um, had great business um, uh, with a particular client in New Jersey where they are in, it's the Armaments Research and Development Center. It was called RDAC, it's now something else. But, um, they are responsible for the armaments, armaments research and the munitions um, research. So, you know, in order to research something, the best way to, to come up with something fast is to build like a prototype, you know, to build something to prove out, like, well, can you give us a prototype of that bullet? Or could you build us like that widget so that we can see if that widget will work? And it, it frees up that Act that that uh, that uh, process of acquiring through some big long you know got to be out on the you know the RFP has got to be out on the street for three months and then you know it it it, it, it makes things fast as that was the purpose of it and OTAs for who and your group are not familiar with it they really formed back NASA started them back in like 1958 to get to the moon because they knew that they needed to get they needed to develop things fast and they could not go through the normal government you know um you know process for acquiring services and and products 
So they came up with the OTAs and so they've resurged and, um, you know, 2016, don't quote me on this, but like there was only a handful of them out there. And now there's like 33 of them, if not more. And a lot of the government agencies are, you know, have the authority to use them specifically in the DOD. And, you know, they, they're there to, to get us back up to par, you know, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marine Corps, um, the Coast Guard, a lot of agencies are using them to get back to the technology, back into being on the forefront of some, some technology breakthroughs. And I, you know, had done that, Dustin and I had been together and in 2018, we decided that it was time to kind of go out on our own. And it was specifically because the OTAs afforded two people um, the ability, we formed a small company, we could go after work without being, uh, without having actually any experience. Mm. As long as we could prove and put together a white paper that had a solution that somebody liked, mm. we could, we could get that work. And we've made lots of friends through the years. <laughs> Dustin and I always say we collect misfit toys. We have been doing this business for so long that you meet, you go to these trade shows and you go to these conferences and you meet really cool people and with really neat technology or a product that's really unique. And not OTAs are not necessarily interested in one product, but they want to see how you can take that product and maybe bend it, bend the rules, mold it to fit their need. You know, I mean, the government's always looking for something to fit their specific need. So, um, we decided to do it with the OTAs in our back pocket. Like we got that, like we'll, we'll get a contract or whatever. It just happened to be that we did get our seven people because we do, we, we do good business development. We do develop good relationships that allowed us to bring in some services, some folks that could support a client and provide them engineering services. So we are a blue skies is a small business. We are not economically disadvantaged. We are not woman owned and we're not veteran owned. Dustin and I are 50-50 partners because we've, you know, we've grown up together. We've been together now 15 years. And, you know, we're just kind of like, for us in the armaments and in munitions business and the side of DOD, you know, there's not too much that we can get with as an SDOV, SDVOSB or as a woman owned. And, you know, we really just want to become um, a solution thought engineering company um, and our technology base would be predominantly around munitions and armament systems and platforms. And, um, you know, we're willing to go beyond the army on that. Like we're looking with Navy and we're very interested in Dahlgren and um, we are very interested in the R&D side of the D Department of Defense um, to catch up. I mean, I think for a long time, and when you're in this space, you can see that there are definitely areas where we have neglected. Mm -hmm. um, we've just not put money into certain things. And we have to think about defense differently. And we have to think about our, you know, how the United States protects itself and differently and uh, how we outfit our soldiers, how we send um, platoons out there. Everything is evolving and changing, you know, and one of the big things, you know, it's not just hardware that we work on, um, but 
it's it's not just the bullet my guys engineer and design bullets and production lines for bullet systems and we are actually we have a couple of guys that have a they are they are sought after for their knowledge in the ability for producibility they know how a manufacturing line works mm -hmm. and that is very important to the US military and to to the to the army when they're manufacturing a bullet, you know, how do we keep production lines going, how we keep inventory and so forth. You, you know, so I got producibility expertise and understanding, but I think it's also about, you know, the, the, the networking and the engineer and the IT focus is still, you know, we're not just holding a gun and pointing at an object anymore. We actually have guns that are communicating um, to the soldier and to, to another platform that gives that soldier much better information than just visually seeing it or whatever the case may be. So there is, there is fire control systems that are now, you know, there's so much technology and a network that components you know, that, that are necessary. So there's software development and there are electronic components that are so critical to the success of those platforms and those armaments working, um, you know, to, to protect our soldiers. So that's the space that we're most interested in. And we can see, you know, Dustin and I talked about this, that our careers have really, you know, it's funny, we, we were writing our capability statement not too long ago and Dustin's like, do you know that we have worked for between you and I, every federal agency that's <laughs> out there except HUD. Oh, that's <laughs> wow. We've never done any work for HUD, but combined we have really, you know, and I'm 48, 47. And, you know, I, to say that my career started off in, you know, working for a plastic surgeon, who is a fantastic plastic surgeon, by the way, um, to I'm in this business of armaments and ammunition and, you know, future R&D and technology, you know, that will hopefully bridge gaps right now for our soldiers. And, you know, you never want to go to war and you never want to use that stuff. But, you know, also that technology has advanced us in so many other ways. You know, we take that idea and we're like, well, how can we use that commercially, you know, or that commercial idea bring that, and that's what the OTs do is it can bring that commercial technology into this space for the Department of Defense, or, you know, again, the things that come out of that R&D, you know, are fascinating. You know, we all know what, where Velcro came from right. <laughs> and the uses of that. So, um, so that's kind of that's kind of where my career has gone, and I know I've probably long-winded. You probably oh, it's, it's been very interesting. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back a little bit though, and it, it, yeah. to one of the points you made. It sounds like you would place a high value on finding a good mentor. Oh, I, I, I right now I actually um, on Facebook with a couple of my friends um, from high school. And uh, one of my girlfriend's sons uh, is in ROTC and Army, and I see her post pictures about him and so forth. And any of my friends that's got that have their kids serving today, I am like, give them my I give them my number. I'm like, call me. And I don't know if I can be their mentor, but 
I want them to, I want to talk to them. I want them to have the advice. I want them to recognize that it's important to, if you don't already have that. And, and a lot of folks in the military do get that. And I didn't serve. Um, I'm, I'm a unique anomaly. I, I, my father, my uncles, my grandfather, everybody served. My mom, I wanted to actually, and my mom didn't want me to go because she was like, you, you're, everybody served so that you wouldn't have to. Hmm. And so she kind of, you know, said, you're going to go the traditional route. You're going to go off to college. You're going to just do, you know, you don't need to serve because you, you, your parent, your father did that and your grandfather did that. So you wouldn't have to do it. And I kind of, you know, honestly, it is a regret for me. I think I would have done a great job. I should have served. Um, I grew up with a father who hunted. I was, you know, the guns and the bullets are fascinating to me. I grew up with guns and bullets. I know, you know, I respect guns and um, I respect what they do. I respect what I, the field that I'm in and the space that I'm in, I see the value, but the mentorship, I would have never got to where I am today if I hadn't had uh and, and, and both of them were former, you know, Air Force um, leaders. And so, you know, I guess they just looked at me and said, you know, and, and, and two, mentorship is a two-way thing. It's, it's about, you know, giving and taking. You have mm -hmm. to give your mentor your undivided attention and your interest in learning. Because mentors will, I, I think the reason why I got so lucky is that I embraced it. I was like, give constructively criticize me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. What can I be doing better? You know, and I took it from my team too. I mean, I was the youngest always, and I was a female. Hmm. And I have always just been the minority in all of the jobs I've ever had as far as that. So I kind of had to, you know, step it up you know, if I knew I wanted to do something, um, you know, be successful in this. But I also was very interested in learning about it too. Unfortunately, I wish I had gone to school and, you know, it's always like hindsight's twenty twenty. You wish you could always go back in time and would you do something different? And yeah, I would definitely take in more, I, I would have definitely followed a different path, a more uh, engineer focused path. But, um, you know, I am where I am for a reason. And, you know, again, the mentorship, absolutely. It's so well, critical. Well, I think it's uh, highly illustrative that it doesn't really matter where you, yeah. where you started, really. It's, it's your attitude, it's your willingness yes. to get involved and then take mm -hmm. advantage of the opportunity, whatever opportunity comes your way. Yes. That makes, I think makes a difference. I mean, I'm not saying education isn't important, especially in, in certain very scientific fields or engineering right. fields, but, but the, it's not the end all it's be all. You can still make it happen. It's only a part of it. And, and I think that it's really hard, you know, I'm raising a daughter in, in ninth grade and, you know, she's, you know, asking me like, what should she go into? And I'm like, oh girl, that is not my decision. And you just don't know where your path is going to take you. You know, that's the thing is when, and I do talk to so many folks. I mean, I, I've been doing business development for, for many years now. And, you know, my job is to talk <laughs> and get to know people. And Dustin will tell you, I get I get to know people that I work with very personally too, because when you buy from somebody, it's a personal decision and a personal buy. It's, you know, not necessarily, you know, the most professional decision. It's maybe not the cheapest solution, 
but it's a trust factor and it's buying from people that you like and you trust. I mean, it's one of the reasons, Jeremy, you and I had such a good relationship. We had a good relationship professionally and personally. I mean, we developed that through work, but we were people, you right. know, we weren't just looking at each other as, you know, customer and, you know, and, and you know, and client. It wasn't that. It was it was layers deeper than that. And the thing that I say to my daughter is you need to work on your interpersonal skills. That is what's going to get you in. That's what's going to get you. Now, having drive, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, my brother comes from the same gene pool as I do, and we are completely two different people. And my drive and his drive, he's been with Boeing for 20 plus years. He hasn't left since he got here in 2000. I got him that job. He is still there. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, you know, so many companies later, it's just a completely different, you know, what you want in life is going to dictate, you know, what you, but you can't be afraid. I'll tell you, I think to any advice for anybody who, um, you know, young folks or people who are on the brink of being very unhappy where they are, you've got to take a chance and try something different. Because I mean, look where I started and like, look where I am now. I, if I would have stayed that, I mean, I'd be a hospital administrator and nothing's wrong with that. But I, I don't, you know, where do you go from there? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not in the field anymore, so I'm not sure. But mentorship is so critical. Yeah. And you're going to, and, and if you're open to have many of them for different no, reasons. That's true. So then also through this journey, you know, mm -hmm. you, you started your own company. So what, what was kind of, what was the catalyst that made you go, you know what, I'm tired of working for those other people. I yeah. want I want to start my own business. How'd that work out? Yeah, well, you know, um, sometimes you're forced. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, listen, I, Dustin and I really just, we really started our Blue Skies in 2013. And, and, and it was a dream that we both had. We, we both knew that we were driven the same and we, we got, we grew frustrated a lot of times, um, hitting the walls of, you know, of ownership. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when it's not yours, you can only do so much to do, to take somebody somewhere, you know, and in the government contracting business, it is challenging. Um, a lot of small businesses are out there trying to hire the magic chief operating officer, the magical business developer that can promise them, you know, growth exponentially. And Dustin and I learned that that promise can never be made because you can't control the government and how they acquire services. You know, you can only control the story that you tell and, you know, the, 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 and deliver what you say you are going to deliver. And, um, had great companies, all those companies I have worked for in the past, I love them all. Um, but, you know, it just, you find that sometimes it's a philosophical difference, you know, where you, where you want to take it or where you see the growth, they don't necessarily agree on, or they're not willing to invest those resources into that. Um, when you work for another company too, um, you know, again, it, the decisions, you you don't have that and 
honestly, I think Dustin and I both would say we we like to be visionaries. We we want to be thought of as seeing the impossible possible. You know, um, there's nothing that we feel you can't solve. You know. Um, on any on any level for federal agency, you know, when it comes to you know trying to make the best um, uh, uh, food safety inspection uh, capability that you can give to those um, in, in, you know to those inspectors out in the field, so that they can protect the health and well being of the of the nation and the the food the food supply, to you know creating you know a weapon that. Um, really helps you know our soldiers make it out of a situation alive mm -hmm. and so you know there are lots of problems to be solved and you know we believe that there are good people out there that you know it's not about the money and and i think also when you get in this r d side of things you realize that it's you don't do it for the money what i mean there's great benefits to owning a company, but we only have seven people. So we just started, we were in business. We went an entire year without a salary. Mm -hmm. And that's a big sacrifice to two people who were the prime breadwinners of our households. And that sacrifice was worth it. And every employee that we have on our team now is like a blessing and a cherished person it, it, because of what they bring to our customer and the value that they bring to our customer, but what they bring to Dustin and I making our dreams come true, but we don't do it for the money. We do it. Honestly, the drive for both of us is the sheer enjoyment of seeing progress and seeing, you know, we want to see good decisions being made by the government. And, you know, as taxpayers, we want to see the best in the hands of our soldiers. We want to see the best decisions being made with our money. You know, I mean, we do know that projects fail and failure doesn't mean failure. It can mean success because sometimes you have to fail three or four times in order to figure out the problem and that's okay. But you do want to be, I wanna be a part of that. And I. I think, you know, I couldn't serve my country as a soldier. Um, this is kind of how I serve, you know, I feel like it's a way that we're giving back and, you know, we're giving back not only because, you know, we, we're in this business, but, you know, hopefully the company continues to grow that we're giving back, you know, we can take some of our profits and give them to charities that we really cherish. Wow. Well, that's a fantastic story. I'm very excited for you, uh, you. in this uh, new world that you're in and Great. as you continue to grow your company. So, but I yeah. thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Don. Oh, it was great, Jeremy. And I really, I, I, we got to catch up after COVID and have, you know, where did we go? Matchbox. That's right. Matchbox. We yeah. got to go to Matchbox. Yeah. Get some so good pizza. Fun. Matchbox has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're everywhere now. They are. Thank, Thank you, you for so having me, Jeremy. Me. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. I look forward to catching up to you in person when we can. Oh, absolutely. Sounds good.